Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Okay, so what, what I've realized, you know, by the way, we're the da- any Dallas Cowboys fans out here tonight. You do know, you do know that in order to be saved, you have to be a Dallas Cowboys fan. Just making sure you, 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 you knew that. Okay, um, so I am a Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, I'm also, now some of you aren't going to like this, I hate Ohio State. Um, so now everybody hates me, right? So, so I was, re- like, it was midnight. Like, they wanted to watch a ball drop, so I was watching the, you know, Georgia-Ohio State game on my phone, and when he missed that, ex- when he missed that, that, like, easy field goal, I was just like, mm, mm. Go back to Ohio where nobody can drive. I'm joking. Um, I love Ohio. I love West Virginia. I love Kentucky. I love our tri-state area. Just giving you a hard time, but I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, and Brett Maher, our kicker, missed four extra points in a playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The good news is we still sent Tom Brady home to his empty house packing. So I was really excited to see him go down. But have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed there's no mercy for the kicker? Like there's zero mercy. Like we get it, like the quarterback has to do a lot of things, right? He has to, he has to know all the plays. He has to call the play in at the huddle. He has to get to the line. He has to look at the defense and maybe adjust the play based on what he sees. He has to receive the snap. He has to either hand it off to the, hand it off to the, to the running back or he has to scan the field, find an open receiver. and make. He has a lot of things he has to do. So if he misses a pass every once in a while, maybe even throws a pick every once in a while, we get it. But the kicker has one job, right? One job. You kick the little ball between these two sticks. Like, when you go to practice, you don't practice anything else. You practice kicking the ball between the sticks. That's all you do. That's your job. And then you go to a playoff game and you miss four of those single jobs that you're supposed to do. You can tell I'm a little upset, right? But you see, people just don't have mercy on the kicker. And we're in this series called Overwhelming Mercy overwhelming mercy. Uh, we're going through the story of Jonah in the Bible, and we did have a, we had a, we have a friend that's been joining us for this series. Uh, can, can somebody bring up our friend, uh, just so he can be, he, we have yet to name him, don't we? We don't, we still don't have a name, right? Any suggestions? Jonah? Bob? I kind of like, I kind of like Fred. <laughs> you know me in F words. His name is Fred. So here's Fred. As you can see, his bowl is getting a little dirty over the past three weeks. Um, but we're talking about Jonah. And we're going to be jumping into a new chapter in Jonah tonight. Um, all these chapters, we're looking at it as how God has sh- has shows mercy in so many different ways. We have two more of these. We have tonight and then we have next week and we'll be done with Jonah. By the way, after we're done with Jonah, we're doing a series called You Asked For It. And here's, here's what's cool about this series. You get to decide what we're talking about. You ever have a question about God, about the Bible, about the world we live in, about why is this the way it is? Here's what I want you to do. You can go to our Instagram, you can go to the bio in our Instagram, you can click the link in our bio, and you can send in, you don't have to put your name down, you can send in your question about God, Christianity, the Bible, faith, 
culture, and we will do our best to answer your questions over that, the course of that two weeks. Of course, the answers are going to be coming right out of God's Word. So make sure you do that before you leave. Um, so we're in Jonah. Overwhelming mercy. Nobody has mercy Nobody has mercy on the kicker. What is mercy? This is kind of the definition of mercy that we're, we've been operating from. Mercy is forgiving the sinner and withholding punishment that is justly deserved. If you're a kicker, you miss four extra points in one playoff game, what do you deserve? Well, not death, but you deserve probably to be fired. <laughs> I think I heard somebody say death. Uh, that, that's a little aggressive. Um, that's a little aggressive, but um, you, you deserve to be fired, right? Mercy is forgiving the sinner or the person who errs and giving them what they don't deserve. I think this little smoke machine's still on. I don't know if somebody can turn that off or not. Um, I, I feel like I'm in a vape shop or something. Um, so I wouldn't know what that's like, but... Um, so here's the thing that we're going to be talking about tonight. We've been going through with Jonah. There's some good news tonight. It's been kind of rough, hasn't it? Remember, first week, what happens? He goes against God, right? He runs away from God, gets caught in a storm. They throw him overboard. Last week, Hunter, remember what Hunter, you know, Hunter told us about? He was swallowed by a ginormous fish. You know, probably one of those big catfish we see in the Ohio River. Um, he was swallowed by this ginormous fish. Things get a little better in chapter 3 for, for him. So, we're going to go to chapter 3, but before we get there, I want you to think about this as we're going in here. What you're going to see in this chapter is you're going to see a God who is so merciful. You're going to see a God who loves to show kindness to people. You're going to see God's message of mercy for a group of very evil people. So, what I want you to be thinking about as we go through this is what will you do? What will you do with God's message of mercy? So now that we're ready, turn to the book of Jonah. I probably should have had you do that before because some of you, it might take you a minute to find it. Turn to the book of Jonah. If you don't have, it on, uh, you don't have your like, physical Bible with you, um, you can you know, open your phone to the book of Jonah. If you don't have a Bible and you would like a Bible, we have Bibles that we give to people. So if you need a Bible, come see me afterwards and I would love to give you a Bible. Um, so Jonah chapter 3, we've talked about what happened with Jonah. God says, Jonah, I want you to go preach against the city of Nineveh. They're very wicked people. Jonah says, I don't think so. I'm going to go to Tarshish. Weird name to say, right? I'm going to go to Tarshish. So he boards the ship to Tarshish. He's in this ship and all of a sudden this storm comes and the sailors, the, the, the people that were in with him realize God is mad at this dude and that's why we're about to die. So they throw him overboard. As they throw him overboard, Jonah gets swallowed by this huge fish. The Bible doesn't say it was a whale, but it was a big fish. It was a whaley big fish. We'll say that. Y'all like that? Some of, some of you have to like. Okay. Uh, he gets swallowed by this really big fish. And he spends three days and three nights in the belly of this fish. Hunter talked about that a lot. He writes a poem. He writes a song of, of repentance to God. He turns back to God. He tells God, God, I'm sorry. God, I'll live for you. God, thank you for sparing my life. So we pick it up um, in the last verse of chapter 2. It says that the, the fish spit Jonah up onto dry land. Imagine being Jonah at that moment. How many of you, you just cannot be around like puke? Like, like you can't be around puke. Weak stomach, right? Can't be around puke. Imagine what would happen if you were on the shore covered in fish puke. 
what's the first thing you do? I mean, I'm trying to find a shower, right? Like, but Jonah, he's covered in fish puke. And this is where we find him in Jonah chapter three. So let's read along in Jonah chapter three. We're gonna read the whole thing. And then there are four observations for those of you that like the F words. We've got four F words tonight. Four things you're gonna see having to do with the mercy God shows through this chapter in Jonah. So let's read. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against the message I tell you. So Jonah gets the word back from God. It says the word of God came to Jonah a second time. We don't know like the time that's transpired between when the fish, you know, spits Jonah up on the the shore and Jonah gets this command from God. Jonah could have been covered in fish puke. We don't know. Um, I like to think that he was. It just makes it a little more dramatic and I have a flair for the dramatic. Anybody else have a flair for the dramatic? You're you're willing to admit it. Okay, So, so Jonah, maybe he's covered in fish puke, God speaks to him again. And he says, go to Nineveh and speak what I have to tell you to that city. Jonah's thinking, okay, the last time God told me to do it and I didn't do it, you know, storm, swallowed by fish, puked up. I think I'm going to go with God on this one this time. So what does Jonah do? Verse three, it says, Jonah, arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. We don't know how far it was from where Jonah was spit up to where he had to go to Nineveh, but it was probably, it was probably a, a, a decent journey. He, uh, he, he either had to walk it, he had to like buy an animal or rent an animal. I don't know if you could rent camels like you rent cars back then. I don't know how it works. Like if you have to turn in a damage deposit on your camel, I don't know. But somehow Jonah makes that trip to Nineveh. And then it says, Nineveh was an exceeding great city. We're in verse three. Three days journey in breadth. So it took three days. This is how big the city was. It took three days to walk across the city. Big city. A little bit bigger than Huntington. A whole lot bigger than the village of Barbersville, right? Uh, So he he goes to the city and it says in verse four, um, he called out. He starts doing, he's saying what God's telling him to say. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That doesn't sound like a real positive, encouraging message, right? Like, like if I started walking through Huntington, I said, Huntington's gonna be overthrown. Yeah, some of you'd be like, it's about time. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's the message that God gave him. And in the verse five, it says, and the people of Nineveh, they heard it. Did they get mad at Jonah? No, it says they believed God. And they called for a fast. You know what I mean by a fast? It, it means going without food. Um, for a spiritual reason. They called for a fast and they put on sackcloth. That's like burlap. That's like old clothes. I know old, like hobo chic is like the style now, like for some people to wear, but it was like, like old clothes. They put on sackcloth, old clothes, and from the greatest of them to the least of them. So Jonah gives this message that you wouldn't think would be received real well, but it says everybody believed the message that Jonah said and they start going without food because they know that they're in trouble with God. They put on this, these old clothes to humble themselves and they all do it. Verse six, it says, the word reached the king of Nineveh, the big guy, the big kahuna. And he arose from his throne, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. I think the king took this pretty serious too, right? And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and the nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, 
taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered in sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. They were so serious about what God told them. They were so convicted about this message that not only did they go without food, not only did they put on hobo clothes and, 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 and humble themselves, they made their animals... <laughs> Put on hobo clothes. Like I can't imagine. Like you, you're putting a sack, putting sackcloth on your on, on your cattle and putting sackcloth on your sheep. And these sheep are looking at you like, what? You ever, you, does your dog ever look at you like, like? What is this stupid human doing? Like, it does to me all the time. I can imagine the, 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 the sheep and the calves are looking at these humans like, what, what, why are you dressing me? Like, but the, that's, what, that's what's happening. They're that, they take it that seriously. Then he says, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that in his hand. Who knows? Maybe God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger that we may perish. They're doing this because they realize unless God changes his mind, unless God shows mercy to us, we're gone. And here's where it gets really good. You ready? You ready? This is, this is like the dessert. You know, this is like the apple pie that you've worked all Thanksgiving dinner for. You know what I mean? Here it is. Verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God relented on the disaster that he said he would do to them and he did not do it. These people realized that they needed to make a change in their life. They realized that the only way they could be saved is if they called out to God and they trusted him and they turned from their wicked ways and what did God do? He gave them mercy, he gave them forgiveness. Pretty incredible story. So what do we learn from this story? Well, it's all F words and we're gonna learn about what God does through his mercy. We see it here. Through his mercy, the first thing that we see is God gives fresh starts. Here's the end of the, of the, um, here's the end of the Brett Maher story. Missed four field goals in a row, or four uh, extra points in a row. This, today, uh, Mike McCarthy, coach of the Cowboys, my man, uh, he came out and said, Brett Maher has been clutch for us all season. He had a bad night, but we're counting on him for the next game. All the commentators, you know, Troy Aikman, all these guys, they're saying, cut him off of the knees, let him go, get a new kicker. Mike McCarthy says, I'm gonna give him a second chance. Have you ever been given a second chance? You've been given the opportunity to turn a paper in that you should have gotten a zero on? I, I, I've raised both hands and both, you know, both, both feet and all my toes. Like, like, like I, lived, I lived by the mercy of the English teachers at Grace Christian School when I was a student. Uh, but what we see here is incredible. Verse 1 is so awesome. And you, if, you, if you have your Bible, and you, yeah, I saw somebody had these, some really bougie highlighters. So whoever has the really bougie highlighters and pens that I saw sitting on one of these chairs, you're going to want to do this. You're going to want to circle or highlight the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time and write something like this. Thank God for second chances. Did Jonah deserve a second chance? I mean, Jonah didn't just mess up. He messed up in a huge way. God said, said to Jonah in chapter one, arise and go to Nineveh. And it says Jonah arose and fled to Tarshish. Went the exact opposite direction of Nineveh. God could have picked anybody to go take this message to Nineveh. 
And after the first time Jonah pretty much ditched him and said, no, thank you, did God say, well, you know, Jonah's just, you, know, you, you can't reason with him. I'm a saint Christian. Christian will go. If I tell Christian to go, he'll go. No. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The fact that you're here tonight and that you're still alive says that maybe you've done something that displeases God. Maybe you feel like God is mad at you or that you know, God wanted you to do something, told you to do something, but you didn't do it and you think maybe God's kind of done with me. Ah, wrong. God gives second chances. You may say, well, is this just like, like an example that never ever happens any other time? Is this just this weird thing that one time in history God decided to, to, to give Jonah a second chance? Well, the Bible is pretty much a story a book of second chances. God gave Abraham a second chance when he took matters into his own hands to, and fathered a son with his, like, handmaiden. God gave Moses a second chance when he killed a dude and ran away. God gave David a chance when he cheated on his wife with another man's wife and then had the man put to death to cover it up. God gave Elijah a chance when he sunk into the deepest depression and wanted to kill himself. God gave Peter a second chance when Peter denied Jesus three times. And God gave, this is one of my favorite stories and nobody ever knows about this. You ever heard about a dude named John Mark? God gave this dude named John Mark a second chance when he was with these guys named Paul and Barnabas on a mission trip and he ditched them because it got too hard. Do you see that all the way through the Bible? It's, it's a book of people who God gave second chances to. So the question First question is, what are you going to do with your fresh start? What are you going to do with the second chance God gave you? I've come up with a scientific method. You ready for this? You science people. A scientific method to find out if God has given you a second chance. You want to, you, you want to hear this? Everybody, we're going to do it right now. Why don't you put two fingers up and do it like a Boy Scout or whatever. Is it two fingers or three fingers for Boy Scout? It's, it's like the... It's three. Okay, so two. Never mind. Uh, I want you to put two fingers up. Okay. Now I want you to turn it into like an L or a backwards L. Okay, now watch this. What I want you to do is I want you to roll your sleeve up, take your L. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your, your two fingers like this. Or you, ha, I got it all messed up. I want you to take your thumb, put it on the back of your wrist. Okay? Then I want you to take your two fingers around and I want you to just kind of squeeze the inside of your wrist. You should feel something. What is it that you feel? A pulse. Does anybody not feel a pulse? Because we might need to get the defibrillator up here right now. Okay? So here's the thing. If you're in the room tonight and you've got a pulse, that means that God's not done with you. Tonight is an opportunity that God gives you a second chance, a fresh start. Some of y'all are still like, I don't know if I have a pulse. Well, it, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of you, okay? If you're having trouble, we'll take care of you. Here's the point. God gives second chances. God gives second chances. What will you do with your fresh start? What did Jonah do? Go back here and look. Jonah had a, had a, had a second chance. God said, arise and go. What did Jonah do? He arose and went. Boom. We call that obedience. But I want to submit to you one thing. We don't have much time to talk about it. I want you to think about this. There's a difference between Jonah, who got a second chance, and those six other people I mentioned who had a second chance. Abraham, Moses, David, Elijah, Peter, and John Mark. When they got their second chance, they sought someone out to go with them and to build them up in the Lord.
right? Abraham. Anybody know who Abraham had? No? Melchizedek. Moses had Jethro, who built him up. Elijah, or David had Nathan. Elijah had Elisha. Peter had like literally Jesus, God in the flesh. And John Mark had Barnabas. When God gives you a second chance, obey. But what you're going to see next week is that Jonah tried to do it in isolation. And he crashed and burned. Maybe you need to reach out to a tag leader or a friend, you know, your bro, your bra that brought you tonight and just be like, hey, I really want to start living for God again. I want to take, make the most of the second chance. Will you kind of hold me accountable? Will you kind of help me, help me make sure I'm in the, in the Bible, in the word? So God gives second chances, fresh starts. What will you do with fresh start? The next F word we see is through his mercy, God gives facts. I thought I'd lighten the moon by giving a fact about sloths. Any, any sloth fans here tonight? Any of you, you, sloth is kind of your spirit animal. Like you, you move at the pace of a sloth. How many of y'all have a teacher that moves at the pace of a sloth? Okay. Um, did you know that sloths can hold their breath longer than dolphins? Isn't that incredible? That's just a random fact. Because we're talking about facts. But here's, here's, here's what's interesting about facts. Um, when we're talking about this story of Jonah where he preached against Nineveh. Look at, what we, look at what it says here. I'm going to change my marker. It says, first, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. He said, arise to Nineveh, that great city, and call against it, what? The message I tell you. Jonah went to Nineveh according to what? The word of the Lord. Nineveh was a great, exceedingly great city. It was a big city. Jonah went into the city a day's journey, and he called out 40 days and 40 nights, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. This was the message that God gave to Jonah. So do you see what's happening here? Jonah is being used by God to deliver facts, to deliver a message, to deliver truth to Nineveh. Did you know that we all have the facts about God to some degree? There's big theological terms. Any, any nerds in here tonight? You know, you, there's some big theological terms that we use to describe that. Um, but here's, here's, the, here's the skinny on it. Everybody has enough information in front of them to understand that there is a God and that they're responsible to that God. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says it like this. It says, the invisible attributes of God, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world so that people are without excuse. What's so interesting to me, I, I have some, a lot of missionary friends and I love talking to them and hearing what they've experienced. What's so interesting is missionaries go, there have been stories where missionaries will go into this unreached people group, a tribe that has really never had contact with like the outside world. And you know what they find? This tribe is worshiping some kind of God because they just assume that there's a God. And they say, well, how did you know that there is a God? And they say, well, look at the mountains. Like, look at the sky. Look at the sun. Look at the rain. Somebody had to have made this. And what we learn through what we call general revelation is that there's a God and we're accountable to him. But what God does here through Jonah and what God does to us is he gives us some special facts. We call that special revelation. God gave Jonah a word, a truth, some facts specific to Nineveh. And God did that quite often in the Old Testament. He would find a person and he would say, I want you to tell these people this message. And then Jesus came. 
And Hebrews chapter one says this. It says, in previous times, God spoke through prophets and through these people, but now he's spoken through Jesus Christ. We have, just like God sent a word to Nineveh through Jonah, we have the word of God, right? And, and through that, we learn what, we need to, what we're responsible for when it comes to our relationship with God. And the people in Nineveh, they learn too. 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. What was their response to these facts? Is <laughs> a pretty important fact, right? If somebody tells you you're going to die in 40 days, like, that's an important fact, right? What was their response? They believed God. They believed the word that God had for them. It reminds me of what we know to be true about God's word and about believing in God's word in Romans 10, 17. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. There's only one way to be saved. There's only one way to be delivered and it's by hearing God's word and responding to it and believing. So we see some facts. Question I wanna ask is, what are you gonna do with the facts about you and God? What some people do, we have a book of facts here that tell us who God is, who we are, what our, our responsibility is to God. A lot of us, our Bible just sits. And we think, you know, we get up in the morning, we have like five minutes to put on a hoodie, eat a Pop-Tart and get to school. You think, I'm gonna read that tonight. You go to school, you hang out with friends, you have homework. I hate to use that word in church, you have homework. By the time you're done with all that, you watch, a, you stream a few shows, you're like, man, I'm tired. I think I'm gonna go to bed. I'm gonna read this tomorrow. And the cycle repeats and the cycle repeats and the cycle repeats. These are the facts that can save your life and these are the facts that can direct your life. What are you gonna do about the facts about you and God? The next F word that we see is a long one. Everybody say it, forbearance. It's a fancy word for patience, but it's an F word and it works, right? Um, we see God's mercy through his forbearance. Look back to the, these verses here. What does it say? It says, Jonah rose and said, in what? In 40 days. Nineveh shall be overthrown. First off, first question is, why didn't God just pick up a tree and knock these people out? Like, if that was his plan, why didn't he just make it happen? Why do you have to send Jonah? And then the next question is, why did God wait 40 days? Why did he tell him in 40 days this is gonna happen? Like, did he just wanna give them like crippling anxiety as they counted down the days? No, God was giving them an opportunity to repent of their sins, wasn't he? That's how merciful God is. What we learn also in this word, for this word overthrown, not to get too deep into it tonight, but this word can mean two things. It has a double meaning. It can mean actually, you know, being overthrown, being demolished. It could also mean being turned around. And it's likely these people, when they heard this message, they understood this double meaning and they understood that there was a chance for their city to be turned around if they turned back to God. So what did they do? What did they do when God told them that? They repented. So they called for a fast and put on sackcloth. It says in verse 10, God saw that they did what? They turned from their evil way. God's mercy comes through his patience. Look at this. Isn't this incredible? It says, this is actually incorrect. Is Romans 2, 10. Do you presume to know the riches and kindness of forbearance and patience, knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? The reason God's patient 
with me and patient with you is because he wants us to give us an opportunity to be made right with him. First Peter 3, 9 says this, the Lord's not slow to fulfill his promise. He's not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You say, where's God? Why hasn't he come back? Why hasn't Jesus come back? Because of you or because of the person that you're called to reach. God in his incredible patience is waiting for people to be made right with him. So what was Nineveh's response? Look at what they do. For the first response we see, removed his robe, covered himself, sackcloth and ashes. We see what? We call that humility. Then what does he do? Proclamation. Don't eat. <laughs> Let neither man nor beast taste anything. He's, that's self-denial. Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. They all of a sudden started changing their mind about three things. What does repentance mean? You change your mind about sin, self, and savior. They change their mind about sin, right? The king says, let's turn from our um, evil ways and our violence. We don't know exactly what their issues were. They were probably worshiping other gods or um, if, if it was anything like some of the other uh, cities in the area, there was a lot of sexual sin going on. If they were anything like the other areas, they were, there was child sacrifice going on. There was violence going on. It was a corrupt, unjust society. And they owned up to their sin. We don't like to own up to our sin. They made a change. They turned back to God because God was patient with them. You know what, one thing that's kind of funny to me is like, I've noticed like people aren't patient with teenagers. You probably notice that, don't you? Like, because you're teenagers, right? Like, 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 like people, ex you just because since you're starting to look like adults, they expect you to like act like adults in some really weird ways. And I love, I, 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 I mean, I love the way y'all act. Like y'all crack me up. Like, like, like it, it's the only place I can actually like not try to be a stick in the mud is around you guys. But like, like, do you see how sometimes so many like adults, they're just not patient with teens. Like they don't understand why you would like play disc golf in the dark. Like, like they don't understand like why do you have to stay up so late? Like they, like they don't get it. But you know that God is in his mercy is patient and patience is part of his love and his kindness to you. So if there's anyone who gets you, if there's anyone who's patient with you, it's, it's God. The final F word we see is that through his mercy, God gives forgiveness. This shark, I'd never seen it before. It is a basking shark. That's a big mouth on that fish. I mean, that mouth is almost as big as Kanye's. I mean, it's a big mouth. Like it's a big mouth on that fish. But look at this last verse here. Because we're going to come back to the fish here in a minute. And we're going to wrap up. It says, when God saw what they did, how they turned to their evil way, he did what? He relented of the disaster he said he would do to them. When these people confessed their sins to God, when they turned from their ways, God forgave them. It reminds me of these verses. 1 John 1, 9, there's the promise that if we confess our sins, God will forgive our sins. It reminds me of Psalm 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes our transgressions from us when he forgives our sin. How far is the east from the west? Well, you can't really figure it out because they're two totally separate directions. God knew everything the Ninevites did, but he was ready to forgive them. Let's go back to our friend here, the whale. People think the miracle of the book of Jonah was the fact that Jonah got swallowed by a whale and lived three days inside that whale. And that was a miracle. 
That was a miracle. But there's a bigger miracle. That a city that deserved to be destroyed was shown mercy by God. If God can forgive sins, he can keep some dude alive in the belly of a fish for three days. That's the big miracle here, is that God is a kind God, he's a patient God, and he's a forgiving God when people turn back to him. Through his mercy, God gives forgiveness. I wanna end on this verse here, which is just so beautiful. It's pretty much the last verse in the Old Testament, Micah chapter seven. It says, who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will, I like this, tread our iniquities underfoot. When God forgives our sin, it's like he takes our sin and he like stomps it and squish it like, like a bug, you know? How many of y'all love killing bugs? I love killing bugs. He squashes it like a bug and stamps it into the ground. That thing's never getting up and crawling back again. He will cast all your sins into the depths of the sea. Here's what's cool. When, you're, when, when you confess your sin to God, you turn from your, your sinful ways, God takes that sin and he puts it down with all the dead bodies in the Titanic and nobody's ever gonna find it again. God is such a great forgiving God. So how do we leave? Like how do we wrap this up? I want you just to see how good and kind God is. You, you see here the city of Nineveh, some of the most wicked people ever forgiven by God. You see a guy that refused to, to obey God and God gave him a second chance. Do you see how patient God is and how kind God is and how loving God is? What do we do with this? I want you to go home and I want your parents to be annoyed to death at how gassed up you are at how loving and forgiving God is. Like I want you to just be like so like pumped up when you leave. Like you're like ripping things off the walls. You're so, not really, but you're so excited. Like I want you to be so overwhelmed by the goodness of God that instead of thinking about all the past that you've done and all the things that you're ashamed of, your focus is on how great and loving and kind God is. I hope that you don't get to sleep well. It should keep us up at night thinking about how great God is. It should wake us up in the morning thinking about how kind and loving God is. The point of this story is not Jonah and the point of this story is not Nineveh. The point of the story is not a fish. The point of the story of Jonah is the mercy of God. He showed mercy to Jonah. He showed mercy to the Ninevites and he will show mercy to you. So let's pray and we'll get out of here. You'll bow your head just for a moment. Just for a moment. We're not gonna have a big, big ending or anything, but I do wanna give you just a moment to make things right with God. Uh, maybe there's a sin that just keeps crawling back in your life that you're so ashamed of. You'd be, you'd be ashamed to even maybe, maybe say it to somebody around you, but, but you just feel like you can't get away from it. You can't beat the shame and the, um, the pull of that sin. Give it to God tonight and experience the joy of that mercy and that forgiveness and that patience that God gives. Uh, maybe you're like Jonah and you know, God told you to do something. God gave you a plan for your life or God gave, you, uh, God gave you a mission and you just didn't obey. God's given you a second chance tonight get, to get back on track with him. So as I'm praying out loud for us, I want you to pray quietly in your heart to God. 
Thank him for his mercy. Turn any sin in your life over to him and enjoy the feeling of being forgiven and your sins being made clean, your life being made clean tonight. So let's pray. Um, God, we think like in Malachi, who, who are you, God? What kind of a great God are you that forgives sin and that pardons sin? God, you're so patient with us. Not many people are patient anymore. Uh, we're not used to receiving mercy, so when we hear a message like this, we don't exactly sometimes know what to, to do with it. Uh, so God, I pray that tonight we'll embrace your mercy, although uh, we'll thank you for your mercy. Um, God, none of us are perfect. Um, none of us measure up to your standard of holiness. So there may be sin in our heart that we need to confess to you, but we thank you that our sin can be forgiven when we confess it to you. We thank you that our sins, the eternal consequences of our sins were forgiven by Jesus on the cross and that when we believed in him, we were made right with you. Oh God, I pray that you'll give us a good night tonight as we leave and oh God, I pray that we'll remember that we, we have this message and we need to share it with everyone we know. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.